Father, we just thank you once again this morning for your presence in our, here in our midst. Father, for all these days, O oh Lord, of, faith, of your faithfulness, O oh Lord, that you've granted us grace to come together, to meditate upon your word, to seek your face, to understand your ways, to know your heart, to just not know, to not, just not only to receive instruction, but to know intention behind every instruction, to practice, to hear from you, to learn your voice, to be to be able to understand, Lord, uh, and become uh, more acquainted in a deeper way, Father, with your word, with your scripture, so that we'll be able to discern the voice of the Spirit. Lord, thank you, Father, for all these days of your faithfulness and teaching us. Father, we, we pray, Lord, that you would continue, Lord, Father, that your work in our lives, that you will continue to speak to us, that you will continue to unfold your word to us, the scriptures to us, that you will grant us a revelation, that you would grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that, Lord, that you would, Lord, uh, continue to impress your word in the deepmost parts of our inner man and cause us to walk in your ways. Lord, I pray, Father, that even now, as we now meditate upon your word, anoint us, Father, uh, enable us to draw not only instruction, but also intention. And Lord, to that end, I pray that you would uh, anoint us and bless the speaking and the hearing of this word. For in Jesus' name, Amen. So this morning, if you're expecting um, the seven words from the cross, I'm not going to do that. Um, sorry to disappoint you if you're from any other church. Um, uh, we will continue to just not look at seven words. We will look at all the words. Okay, so unfortunately, uh, the church is confined to seven words. <laughs> uh, well, God is a good God. He's given us his entire word. So why don't we just look at the whole counsel of God, not just seven words from the cross. Amen. Because every word, every word of God, uh, every part of the Bible, every part of scriptures, um, if you are... Um, if you have a discerning eye, you'll be able to see the message of the cross. And what is the cross? To die to yourself and to live unto God. That is the message of the cross in a nutshell. And every part of scripture, if it's confronting you, will exhort you and challenge you to die to yourself and to live for God. Amen. So, uh, we will not be looking at the seven words of uh, Jesus from the cross, but we will look at um, how to grow. Um, uh, to understand God's voice and to hear God's word. Um, see, uh, there's one way, of course. Um, we study the word of God and we hear um, from the word of God. God speaks to us. But even through the study and the meditation of the scripture, there is one particular word that God directly speaks to us and we hear his voice. Okay. And that is something which we have to inculcate and practice over a period of time. There is Logos. Okay, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Okay, that is Logos. That's the whole Word of God. And then there is Rima, which is the living Word of God. That is the Word which the Holy Spirit draws from this written Word and speaks into your particular situation. And they, there you should be able to discern the voice of God. You should be able to know his voice. You should be able to know, understand his ways. And you should know the person of Jesus Christ and the spirit behind the person. That should be the Holy Spirit. You should discern the voice. You should discern the word. You should discern the spirit. And you should have had and inculcated this habit of understanding the person of Jesus Christ. So that when he speaks, you know that he has spoken. Okay. 
That is to where we are, we are endeavoring to lead ourselves to. And that is just not for the pastors and the teachers of the word of God. It is to every believer, the promise of God. To every believer, <laughs> the promise of God. Okay. So this is a wildest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, the pardon received. So it is for every believer. It is just not for the teachers. We have to study and, and, and discern the word and understand the voice, teach you doctrine so that you will be equipped thoroughly to be able to hear from God by yourself. That will be no longer children being tossed up, tossed about by every wind of doctrine, by the craftiness and the deceitfulness of men. But we'll be knit together in love and we'll grow together in love and we'll be able to discern the length, breadth and the height and the width of the love of God. Okay, so therefore keep that in mind when we are studying the scriptures um, and let us uh, press on towards maturity. Alright, um, once we are born again, we need to begin to grow up in our salvation. There is a time of weaning. That's one level of growth. There is a time of growing into a young man. And then there is finally a time of uh, growing into a father. But we need to keep on growing. Scripture says that he is able to save us to the uttermost. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 7 verse 24 and 25. Before we begin today's meditation, to the before we go to the main passage for today's meditation, it says, "But but he, because he continues forever, has as a eternal high priest, of course, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save us to the uttermost, those who come to God through him, since he always or forever lives to make intercession for them. All our growth and our work." That would please God and bring glory to his name is through his son. Therefore, you know, in Romans chapter 1, Paul will say, I thank my God through the Lord Jesus Christ for your faith. Okay. It's all through him. Everything is acceptable through him. All gift, every gift and, 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 and the graces that God has given us is acceptable when we use it through him. Okay. It is just not enough to know about God. It's the knowledge of our Lord and our Savior. For example, if you if you look at First Peter chapter three, verses seventeen to eighteen, look at what he says. What should we grow in? Oh, sorry, Second Peter. Sorry, sorry, Doctor. Second Peter chapter three, verse seventeen and eighteen. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you should fall from your own steadfastness being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both for now and forever. Amen. Therefore, it is, it is, we have to grow in our knowledge and in the grace of God and in the knowledge of God. It is just not to know about God that we know God. It's the knowledge of our Lord and of our Savior. Okay. Even as we know about our Master, our Lord, you surrender more and more to His Lordship. You will experience His grace more and more. You see, this is important. We have to grow in the, in the grace of God and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. See, people don't want, they only want to know about the knowledge of the Savior. They don't want to know the knowledge of the Lord. Okay. 
Okay. If you believe in your mouth and, and confess, I mean, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, that means there's a lordship that you have to submit yourself to in order to grow in grace. So growth is, growth in, grow in grace and growing in the knowledge of, uh, knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is not an automatic process. You have to surrender to His lordship. And how do we surrender to his lordship? By submitting ourselves to every authority, spiritual and otherwise, that God has placed us under. It's very important to understand this, please. Okay. If you, even as you grow in his lordship, you come increasing, you bring more and more areas in your life under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That is how you know that you have grown in the grace of God. Why? Because God gives grace to the who? To the humble, right? So if you have grown in the grace of God, meaning what? You are bringing many, many areas into your li- in your life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. For example, God would have, would have been a lot of your time maybe, but not a lot of your money. So now you've, you've, you know how to spend time with God. He's the Lord of your time. Now he's also the Lord of your money. He's also the Lord of your relationships. He's the Lord of the career paths that you choose for yourself. He's the Lord of, Lord of all the future plans that you have for yourself. All the things. Every department and the area of your life, you're getting and bringing them into the subjection and the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Okay, Paul makes a very powerful statement. If you turn with me to Romans chapter 6 and uh, let me tell you the exact verse. Romans chapter 6. This is where I go off script slightly, but I'll come back. Okay. Um, Romans chapter 6. This is, this is says, um, chapter 6 and verse 17 onwards. Okay, just keep this, just keep uh, reading from verse 17 on. But God be thanked that though you were once slaves of sin, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. You are an absolute slave. Who was your master therefore? Sin was your master. That is the point here. Okay. That's what, that's what happened to Cain. He says, Cain, if you're not careful, sin is crouching at the door and he wants to be your master, but you should reign over it. Okay. So what has happened? But God be thanked that though you were once slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered to. And having been set free from sin, you became what? Slaves of righteousness. Basically, that's the idea here. And then, Verse eight, verse nineteen. I no look at this. He's using the what analogy? Master slave analogy. Kada. He's the moment you say I'm a slave. The moment you have this picture of a slave, you picture this guy who's lost all his uh, freedoms and he's at the whims and the and the and the and the pleasures of his master. He's at the master beckons him. He has to come. He has to do everything. And he's the moment you have this das picture in your mind. You really get frustrated. But you know what Paul says? Look at verse 19. He says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. I understand. I'm giving you this analogy of master and slave. I understand you're getting frustrated, but let me tell you something. This master is a fantastic master. 
This master you will love to serve. Remember the bond servant in the in the old covenant, what happened to him? The moment he looked at his master, the master said, you can go now, set free. The year of jubilee has come, you can go, seven years you have served me, six years you have served me, seventh year is a year of rest, go and do whatever you want. You know what the master, what the, what the bond servant says? Hey, 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 master, master, I was under you. I was under you, master. I know you, master. You are my Lord. And he surrenders himself to him completely. So what is growing in, growing in, growing in the Lord is growing in grace means in bringing more and more areas in your life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. How you spend your time primarily. And when you are young, not when you become old. Give the best to God when you are young. Not when you become older. What do you have when you become old to give to God? I'm talking to young people, okay? You, even if you're old, don't become, don't misunderstand me. <laughs> it's just that I'm encouraging all the young guys most of the time because they think that to serve God, you have to come to a particular age. There is, that is when you have to serve God. You give your best to God now. Okay. So bring increasing areas in your life to the Lordship of Jesus. That is the hallmark of Christian growth. How do I know that I grew in grace when I have increasing lordship? Not just the knowledge of my savior and the knowledge of his lordship. See, the moment you bring many, many areas into your life, when you surrender more and more, even your frailties and your shortcomings and your mistakes, God is able to overlook because he knows that you have a heart of surrender. Yes, sometimes you might just come under pressure and, and give in to temptation or, or just sin unintentionally. Not with intention. Unintentionally you might sin. Or maybe you with intention also you might sin. I don't know. But God knows your heart that you are surrendered. You are sold out. There is no plan B. Lord, if you... I don't have plan B. If you if you forsake me, I don't have a plan. So the, Job tells... You know what he tells... Uh, the uh, What he tells God? Lord, even if you slay me, I will still serve you. That is that is what we call as lordship. I might make a lot of mistakes, but Lord, my heart, my loyalties, my affections are yours. That is how we know that we have increased in, our, we are growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, therefore, another thing, how do we know? As I said, uh, we are bringing uh, many, many, many uh, more areas of our life into the lordship and the and the, and the submission of Jesus Christ. Another way we know as to how we are growing in His in His grace is that we are smashing every idol in our lives. For example, uh, Galatians chapter four, hmm. verse eight. Okay, it's a very beautiful verse. No, but then indeed, when you did not know God, okay, that is the time when you did not know God. You serve those which by nature are not gods. We all were like that. We were serving. Boy, what, what were we serving? Look at what it says. Uh, verse, verse 9 onwards. But now after you have known God, not only does you have known God, you have also been known by God. You know, so a lot of people say, uh, I have accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Let me tell you something. That is that is okay. I understand your your word. But it is actually Christ who has accepted you. <laughs> He has accepted us into the what? Into the beloved. Okay, I understand. Okay, I mean, I'm not saying that is wrong. You know, 
ప్రభు ప్రభునే నా సొంత రక్షకుడుగా అంగీకరించాను ప్రాబ్లం ఏంటంటే ఆయనని అంగీకరించారు ఫస్ట్ అది ఆయన అంగీకరించకపోతే యూ హ్యావ్ నో అంగీకారం ఎట్ ఆల్ యు కేర్ నాట్ యాక్సెప్టెడ్ ఎట్ ఆల్ అన్లెస్ అండ్ అంటిల్ గాడ్ హాస్ యాక్సెప్టెడ్ యూ యు ఆర్ యాక్సెప్టింగ్ హిమ్ డజంట్ మేక్ ఎనీ సెన్స్ దిస్ నాట్ డెమోక్రసీ నో ఓకే సో బట్ నౌ ఆఫ్టర్ యూ హ్ నోన్ గాడ్ ఆర్ రాదర్ నోన్ బై గాడ్ దిస్ రీడ్ దిస్ వాట్ పిక్చర్ ఐ గెట్ you know uh, remember esther uh, mordekai comes and says uh, tells esther you have to do this if uh, maybe for a time and a season like this god has put you in the put you in the office here as a as a queen okay but if you don't do it deliverance will come out some other way then she says okay fine i'll go if i perish i perish you know the, because you know you cannot come into the presence of the king unless and until he has asked for you okay so you know what what has happened over here you have gone into the presence of the king because he has asked for you he has accepted you first he has known you and therefore you have known him okay no but now after you have known god or rather have are known by god how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements the elementary principles as i said no to which you desire again to be in bondage what do you what are those things verse 10 you observe good friday easter christmas new year i'm afraid verse 11 lest i have labored for you in vain okay it might sound preposterous iconoclastic okay what what are you doing are you sneering at traditions no i'm not i'm not saying the vision one should not uh, celebrate good friday although it is a very controversial day that's not what i'm talking about you you think about the cross only on friday <laughs> you have to think about the cross every day you observe days you're just like the others anyway let's move on so what has happened you are smashing every year see look at verse verse 9 uh, uh, you are not going back to those weak and beggarly elements or the first principles of this world what are the first principles of this world what to eat what to drink what to put on what are the principles of the kingdom seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you you don't pursue after money money pursues you you know the 3d ads movie success ke piche mat bhag success will bhag after you and it's very interesting that uh, one of your people has named her daughter success <laughs> okay you know whom i'm alluding to right <laughs> <laughs> okay a very interesting name no <laughs> don't don't run after success okay run after god like joseph ran after god and god made him successful okay all right kamyabi ke piche mat bhago okay you have have this mindset in you so grow grow smash every idol don't run after stupid things in this life run after god that is how you grow okay so another way you grow luke's gospel chapter 1 verse 80 luke's gospel luke's gospel chapter 1 verse 80 so the child grew who is this child baba 
John the Baptist. So the child grew and became strong in the... Ah, you know you have grown when you have become strong in the spirit. That means the spirit is Lord in your life. When the spirit is Lord, what is what is there? There is what? Liberty, freedom. You are free to do the work of God. To not, not to sin, to choose the right things that God loves and not to choose what God hates. That is what ultimate freedom is. If you are still bound to stomach, that is not, you are, you are not become strong in the spirit. You know why? The child grew and became strong in the spirit. What was his dressing? What is it? What is this dressing? Camel's hair and a leather belt. Meaning what? Tightened his belt. Now we have to start doing it all. All of us over here, okay? Because it's high time we start doing it. Prosperity is showing. In the body, not in the soul. <laughs> okay, we have to, we have to grow. We have to grow. We have to grow. We have to grow in the spirit. Strong in the spirit. In order to grow strong in the spirit, we have to beat our body to subjection. Locusts and wild honey was his food. A leather belt and camel's hair was his dressing. Boy, that's what that's what happens, right? When uh, Amaziah uh, is he asks one of his servants to go to Belzebub and inquire of him, and suddenly Elijah comes into the scene and says, this, "Was there no God in Israel?" This is what is going to happen to you. And the servant goes back to the king and says, um, somebody did this, I mean, somebody, one man of God came and said this about you. How did he look? Oh, he had a, what? A leather belt around his waist and he wore camel's hair. Oh, ma, that is Elijah Tishpite. Call him. If I be the man of God, boom, boom, boom. You know that story, okay? So, that is growing strong in the spirit. Okay. You really, that should be your focus. Let that be the focus, this 21 days or whatever days that God has given us in these coming days. We, know, we don't know when, when that lockdown is going to end. Maybe we'll be locked in and raptured. We don't know. Suddenly we'll all disappear. We don't know. We don't know. We let us hope. Kya baat hai? If that happens, if you have plans and dreams in this world, Know this and go, know the God of this Bible and just go home. <laughs> if you are, maybe God has locked us in so that he can rapture us soon. We don't know. We can hasten his coming. We don't know. I'm just saying, grow strong in the spirit, my dear brothers. Child grew and waxed strong, it says in the spirit. And how did he wax strong? Not by settling himself in the world, by being quarantined in the deserts. Okay, let us make that into a habit. Okay? Alright? Make that into a habit. First, another another person, Luke's Gospel chapter 2 verse 40. Hmm. Look at what it says. So the child grew, oh sorry, another one. And the child, who is this child with a capital C? Jesus. The child Jesus grew. He also grew. Can Can God grow? This is what is happening over here. The child grew and he became strong in the spirit. You see that? 
He became strong in the spirit and he put something else is under, is, is added over here. Filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. There is wisdom. Not wisdom from below. Wisdom of God. Same chapter, verse 51 onwards. Then he went down with them. Who is this? Again, Jesus went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased, grow, grow, grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and with favor and with and in favor with man. Okay, so grow, grow, grow. If you don't grow this way positively, there is also another growth which is prom- promised in the Bible, which is called negative growth. A negative growth in the undik, negative growth in the. Okay, you know what that negative growth is? Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Okay. Be diligent to present yourselves approved unto God, a worker that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Ah, 16 now. Shun profane. You know what profane is? Common. What did you make today for lunch? Common. What did you read today? Did God speak to you? Holy. Which movie did you see yesterday? Common. Which message did you did you hear yesterday? Holy. Okay. So avoid profane. See, when we say profane, we only think about bad language. No. Any Common, profanity means common things that everybody does. People are not only worried about what you are making today, you are worried about what they are making tomorrow, day after, etc. Profane, but shun profane and idle babblings. For they will what? Increase what? Ungodliness. That is what we call as negative growth. What will they what will they increase? Ungodliness. And look at the next verse, verse 17. And their message will spread like cancer. Actually, it spreads like gangrene, it says. The original translation KJV says, like gangrene it spreads. They not only grow in ungodliness, they also spread ungodliness. Negativity spreads so fast, no. Okay. Because we are corrupt beings. Corruption is natural for us. <laughs> okay, so understand. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort. But look at what he says. The next verse, verse 18. Who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection has already passed, etc. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. 19 verse 19. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who names the name of Jesus Christ should depart from iniquity. That is growth. That is negative growth and this is positive growth. Second, another negative growth. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 13. Look at this. Yes, 12 and 13. Okay. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution but evil men and imposters. Imposters and Veshadaralu. That is the point. Deceivers, seducers will grow. <laughs> like interesting, no? They will grow worse. Bah. Isn't it interesting? But some people, when you look at them, 
they have increased in negativity only. Last year you saw they were a little bitter. This year they have, you have seen them, they have become more bitter. More unforgiving. More defeated by sin. More given to pleasure. It's very dangerous. Think about it, no? If, if you don't take care of your negativity now, I mean, for example, if you have bitterness, okay, and you don't take care of it, bitterness will only grow. Okay, so let's say 30 years your bitterness started. Actually, it started much earlier, but it started, let's say, I'm just giving you an idea. 30 years, the bitterness, the seed of bitterness has come into your life and into your heart and started growing. You didn't deal with it. 50 years also you haven't dealt with it. 70 years also you haven't dealt with it. But it has grown. You have become a little more bitter. A little more bitter by the time it's 70 years, it is now, uh, you cannot even say Narayana. Hmm? You understand what I'm saying? Okay. You will only say Pichu. People who know Telugu understood what I'm saying. Okay. So you have no, you cannot speak any good thing now. It doesn't even come out of here because you have grown in your bitterness. Now you die. You enter into eternity. How much time you have in eternity? Now your bitterness will increase infinitely. That is the reason why they'll be weeping and gnashing. Bah! You weep <laughs> and you also gnash. Combination is going on there. So, growth is important, but not posit- not negatively, but positively. The point here is this. If you do not grow <laughs> positively, there is no plateau. Plateaus don't exist. If you have studied geography, no? There are plateaus, there are hills, there are mountains. Only mountains come up, says the spirit. There is no settling down anywhere. At least as far as this side of eternity is concerned. Okay, that side of eternity, we don't even want to settle down. We will have bodies which will... And the spirit of thought will be going from the fear to the I don't know. That will be like a great experience. Okay, that's our hope. Anyways, let's go back now. One, one more verse. First Peter chapter 2. Therefore, what, what do we have to do? First Peter chapter 2. Stop negativity and increase positivity. Verse 1 onwards. Exactly. Therefore, laying aside all malice. Malice, sante, evil, maliciousness, wickedness, all deceit, all hypocrisy, Envy and all evil speaking. Can you imagine? Just not malice, but all malice. Just not deceit, but all deceit. Hypocrisy, envy and all evil speaking. You, These are things that we need to really, really pay attention to. And then verse 2, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word of God that that you may grow. So you stop negativity and increase positivity. So that you may grow up, actually the ESP will say that you will grow up in your salvation. And verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Okay, I have tasted him and now I cannot just give up on him. Alright, so that is what we are looking at today. So we will look at one character in the Bible to understand growth. Christian growth. Like for example, it is the life of Jesus through Joseph that is, is what we learn. It is a life of the Christian through a particular character in the Bible that we, what we learn. Okay. So in order to zero in on to that character, 
let us uh, first look at Galatians chapter 4 and we will first of all know who this character is so that we can learn as to how to grow and what to grow and what are the conditions for growth etc. Uh, from this character. Galatians chapter 4 and let's read verse 28. Yes. Now we brethren as Isaac was are the children of promise. So what is the character that we are looking at today? One guy called Isaac. And when we look at how he grew, then we will know as to how we should also grow. Now we will not look at the life of Isaac when when he was born and when he was weaned off. Very little is mentioned about him. We also looked at him in Genesis chapter 22 where he is totally surrendered to his father. Okay? One of the things that you need to understand about Isaac is that he is, he is under the influence. I mean, I wrote this point. Mm. Previously, he just had to follow his father. His father heard and he followed. Okay. No, it was not difficult. Okay. He just had to obey his parents. But that was his growth. Okay, he obeyed his parents so much so that even he he didn't even search for his own bride. Okay, it's remarkable. God searched for him. Absolute, um, fantastic character. Only one area was a problematic area for him was his belly, and I I also think it is because of his maybe I'm just speculating, mother. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Tino beta, you know, I always know. Mothers, when they see the children, that's what they'll say. <laughs> Even when you're 40, 45, 50, also they will say the same thing. Okay, so 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 we are not we are not talking about that growth. If he's talk, we are talking about how he um, imitated the faith of his father. What he had to do when, as long as he was at his home, he just had to. Imitate the faith of his father. So there is a growth there. Okay. But we will not see, I mean, it's like, uh, it's like, uh, Joseph's life, no? 17 years he's, uh, he's with his father. We don't see, I mean, we don't know how much he grew in obedience. He just had to obey his father's instruction and that's all he did. Instruction and intention both. And that's how he grew. But now comes the time when Isaac is introduced to us in Genesis chapter 26 and that is where the whole chapter, one chapter dedicated completely to Isaac. In the time that we have, we will see, we will draw some lessons as to how we can grow. (laughs) First, Genesis chapter 26, there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham and Isaac went to Abimelech King of the Philistines in Gerar. Okay, let me let me tell you this. What was there first? There was famine. Christian growth happens only when there is opposition. Christian growth is not a growth where it is convenient to grow. No. It calls you to inconvenience. This world is an is absolutely an inconducive environment for Christian growth. This world is opposed to Christian growth, to Christian life. There is 
intense opposition to God and his word. In other words, there are no resources in this world which will say, okay, grow as a Christian. No. It's a, it's, 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 it's a land which is insufficient. It, it is, it doesn't have resources in and of itself to, uh, what do you say, encourage Christian growth. Okay. You need to understand. That's what I understand by famine. Have you seen? Whenever you take a stand for God, you will always have opposition. Okay. It's very interesting that God calls him out from uh, the earth of the Chaldeans and from Haran and then he's immediately, there's a famine in the land. There's a lack. And the growth of the soul happens most of the time when the situations and the circumstances are not conducive. They're not encouraging. Hey, come on, Ray. You can do it. It's very good to be a Christian. No, it's not like that. In fact, if you are a Christian, you will be mocked. There will be a lot of opposition. There, and there has to be opposition. If you look at uh, Luke's Gospel chapter 8 verse 14 and Mark's Gospel chapter 4 and verse 19. Look at the parable of the sower. There is a very interesting word uh, for the, the seed which fell on which fell among thorns. The explanation. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who when they heard the word go out and are Choked with what? With cares, riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity or completion. If you don't bring any fruit to maturity or completion, you are what? Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive. You have a what? A reputation that you are alive, but you are why? What? You are dead. Be watchful. Verse 2. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works. What? Complete or perfect. Before God. So let's go back now to Luke's gospel chapter 8 verse 14. Which says. Which says. The ones which fell among the thorns are those when they have heard. Go out and are choked by the cares, riches and pleasures of this life. And they bring no fruit to completion or maturity. And therefore what? They are dead. That's the point. They have a reputation in this world. But spiritually they are dead. Because they have gone back, they're trying to uh, somehow balance the value system of the world and the value system of this of, the, of God. It doesn't work, my dear brothers and sisters. It will not work. And God hates it. He hates to share the first position in your life. Nobody, even you. That's what I'm saying. You grow only when you have brought every area of your life into the what? Into the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If there is no completion, then you're dead. Therefore, if the word that has been sown into your life, you are not bringing to maturity, then the chances are that you are what? Spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. Look at another place in Hebrews chapter 6. I'll show you two verses. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. And first verse 1. Just read verse 1 and then I'll tell you the which verse to read. Hmm? Are you there? 
it says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, press on to maturity. Okay, next, the same verse, and verse 7 and 8. Chapter 6 and verse 7 and 8. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often falls upon it and bears what? Herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and is near to being cursed whose end is to be burnt. So, what happened in Luke's gospel chapter 8 verse 14? Let's go back. They've, they've been choked by the cares, riches and the pleasures of this life. Another place. Uh, Mark's gospel chapter 4 verse 19. And the cares of this world, okay, this deceitfulness of riches, desire for other things, what happens? They enter. I like that. Enter. The moment, see, um, why do you have, whenever you pour water, why do we have bubbles coming out? For example, you have this bubble where, where, where you, I mean, you have that water thing, right? You have an empty tank, empty container, and then you put this bubble on top of it, and then you put the bubble, but, 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 but bubbles come out. Why? What, what, what is happening? Why? What is that air? Come on, science, kya so the water which goes into the container replaces the air that is there and then the bubbles come out. Simple Baba. Ayyo. Okay, no problem. Okay. Okay, we'll refresh our science also. Don't worry. Science, mathematics, English and refresh. Okay. See, if you come to the word, all the other things you will get. No problem. Okay. See, so what happens when you put the water, what is happening? But, 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 the bubbles come out. What is happening? The water is replacing the bubbles. The air inside of it. So what is happening over here? The deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this world and the desire for other things Enter in, once something enters, the other thing has to go out. They choke. And the word becomes unfruitful. So the four things which are mentioned over there, if you put these two verses together, the cares of the world first. Second, deceitfulness of riches. What, why is riches deceitful? They promise you autonomy apart from God. They give you power. As at least a semblance of power. That a time will come, your money will be of no use. And God is sending us during these eight years of our new government, we have, we have had only calamity after calamity. The first calamity was demonetization, where your money was useless. And if you had old money, which was never, no, 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 not changed, which was not accounted for, useless. So if you don't exchange your money to eternal riches, useless. Luke's Gospel chapter 16 will say that. You don't have to turn there. What? Use unrighteous mammon for bringing in people into the kingdom so that when you go there, they will welcome you into their everlasting dwelling places. Very important. 
So, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for things. Boy, isn't that a tremendous, what do you say, pressure in these last days. The How things change. The moment you get a, ch- a phone, within five days you will get dejected with that phone. Because something better will come into the market and cheaper. So all the joy of having the most um, state-of-the-art phone is gone. Are the same and less expensive. Are you gone? The desire for other things. What happens? They enter into the world. So you have the cares of this world, you have the deceitfulness of riches, you have the pleasure of this life, and then you have the desire for other things. What happens? They choke the world, and that is what I'm saying. This world is not conducive. It's not a conducive environment for the word of God to grow. But God places us in this world so that we choose trajectories which will cause us to oppose the value systems of the world. And when you oppose the value systems of the world, what happens? You will begin to grow. You will wax strong in the spirit and you will wax strong in the world. That is the principle which is being laid out over here. There will always be opposition to growth. But it is here in the place where, where, in, where absolute opposition is that Christian growth takes place. Okay. Only people who are alive can go against the flow. People who are dead go with the flow. So if you are, if you are what? According to Ephesians chapter 2, let's read from verses 1 and 2. <laughs> 1 to 3, in fact. And he made alive who were dead in trespass and sins. And he explains what the deadness were. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. Course of this world is what? Everybody going one stream. It's like Gumpulo Govindam. Nalgurtho Narayana. Okay. So everybody is going to China. You also go to China. That is not China. Chaitanya Narayana. Okay, everybody is doing engineering, you will go to engineering. Everybody is doing doctor, you go to doctor. Everybody is doing CA, you will go to CA. Everybody is going to Google, you go to Google. It's all herd mentality. Okay, so dead people go with the flow. So Isaac is a new creation, right? He's made alive. Okay, so what he says, in which you were dead according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience and verse 3 only, among whom also we also conducted our lives in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like others. But thank God for his mercy, we who were once dead, he made us alive. And what is the way that uh, we know that we are alive? We go against the flow and not with the flow. We become from Palasa to Ilasa. You know that analogy, right? The the fish which goes contrary to the stream and because it goes contrary to the stream, it increases in value because it takes in more nutrients, more nutrients, more nutrients into it and becomes stronger and stronger. A 50 rupees fish in sea becomes 3,500 rupees once it reaches into the waters in the river. Remarkable. So, first thing, there was famine. And that is what we learn. If you want to grow as a Christian, there will be no conducive environments. See, this is a place where it's conducive because you're teaching. But you have to go into the world. And there's always opposition. 
You get up in the morning. What a struggle it is to open the word and read it. Isn't it? It's not easy. I mean, even if you're, if you open the Bible, you're still not into it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you're more saintly than me, but, uh, but I, I have to honestly confess that that has been my, my, my experience in my life. Getting up in the morning to read through one chapter, I would read it, but I wouldn't get in even even a single thing. And then I have to fight and fight and fight and walk here and walk there. And then finally I take my Bible, I go to the washroom and suddenly things start happening in the washroom. Hmm? You see, so many things have to happen in order for us to focus because you know, the flesh, the world and the devil are opposed to Christian growth. But when you go through these barriers, that is when you start Growing. Okay, for this famine. There was first thing famine in the land. Then what happened? Verse 2. Let's go to verse 2. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Okay, just read verse 1. There was famine in the land, and Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines in Gerar. You see, it is natural for us to gravitate towards the king of this world when there is opposition and to seek his counsel. See, it's very, see the construction over there. It's natural. It was, it was natural for Isaac. It was natural. It'll be, I mean, it's for us also. Whenever we have a problem, what do we do? Ah, we go to somebody who can array. I'm not saying that we should not ask for counsel, but do we go to God first? That is what I'm talking about hearing from God. Knowing the purposes of God. Knowing the ways of God. When Abraham defeats these five kings and he's coming back, before the king Bera can, he can meet Bera, he has a confrontation with who? Melchizedek. Thank God he has a confrontation with Melchizedek. Melchizedek comes and says, Abraham, most high one, blessed. And he blessed him there. Abraham gave tithes, etc. And then he meets Bera. And Bera says, take the money, give the souls. And he he says, I want neither. He's not going to gravitate to the value systems of this world. And in order for you to to be preserved from this uh, what do you say, stumbling block where you have a temptation to gravitate to the Abimelechs of this world. What should you have? Verse 2. Then the Lord appeared and said, Hey, I know where you went, went there. I know you wanted to seek counsel from a very good friend. You wanted to get, get spiritual counsel from the world famous scientist. That's what we do. Spiritual counsel from scientist. Okay, we will get spiritual counsel, but we will never do that. No, if you have a problem in your body, you will not go to engineer, right? Doctor, have you ever seen anybody coming to you because they wanted to do a building construction? Show me a plan. You who know the body of man. Give me a plan. Did he say that? No. They they know that you are absolutely incapable of it actually. In in fact, you are unqualified. But on the same hand, 
Nobody would go to an engineer and say, you know what, I have got a problem with my stomach. Can you give me a tablet? Nobody does that. But the problem here is this, in this world, instead of taking, seeking for godly counsel, we go to the so-called Abimeleks. Because they have a name, Abimelech. You know what Abimelech means? My dad is king. Later, we'll Anyways, let's move on. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land. You know, what is our greatest, 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 greatest protection from the deceptions and from the gravitations of the flesh to the things of this world is what? Not the word of God, the living word of God, the Rima. You know what it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by, you know what the word is there? It's, you think it's the Logos? No, 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 no. Go and do a word search in Bible and blue letter Bible.org if you don't trust me. The word for word is Rema. The words that I speak to you are spirit and life. So what we need as a protection and to grow and to make decisions so that we will grow in our, uh, in our spiritual walk is to hear the voice of God. And God says, do not go down to Egypt. I want to show you two verses. Turn to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Read verse 15. Actually 14 and 15. Okay. Are you there? Yeah, thank you. What shall we say? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses. Who says to Moses? Where in Exodus, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I, whom I will have compassion. This is quoting from Exodus chapter 33, 34 if I am right. Who says, he says to Moses. Who says, he says to Moses. God is saying to Moses. Now, same chapter, verse 17. So then it is not of him who will... Okay, verse 16 and 17. Okay, let's read 16 and 17 to get a, yeah, yeah. So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who shows mercy, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, where? For this very purpose I have raised you up. Again, Exodus chapter 9. There, Exodus chapter 33, he says, he says to Moses. Here it says, scripture says to Pharaoh. So who says? God says through the scripture. Now, Putting these two together, let us go back to Genesis chapter 26 and verse 2. The Lord appeared to him and said, so who said? For us, the Lord speaks to us through the scriptures. That is the reason why you know what Jesus tells those people who come and give him a riddle. This lady who had seven husbands died. You know what Jesus says? You do not know the scriptures nor the power of God. You don't know the scriptures. It is not, it is, in Romans chapter 9 verse 12 it says, The Lord said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And verse 17 he says, Scripture says to Pharaoh. So when the scripture says, the Lord says, when the Lord says, scripture says. Therefore, the people in Berea were much more nobler than those who were in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, but... Search the scriptures daily. So when Paul says, search the scriptures, 
And then you will know what Paul says is what the Lord says. Therefore, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15 and 16. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures. Wow! Blessed are those children who know the holy scriptures from childhood. And you pray to God that those children of yours who know the holy scriptures from childhood, Lord, they will make decisions in their lives that they will be Daniels and they will be Josephs in the generation. Because it says in, in, in Daniel, I, Daniel, searched through scriptures and I understood the times of the, that Jerusalem has to be rebuilt. He read through the scriptures that you and I will have a generation, this generation, which will grow in an environment of knowing the scriptures, loving the scriptures, building their life on the scriptures. Because when scripture speaks, the Lord speaks. And we should be convinced ourselves as, 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 as husbands and wives and as parents, we will pour out our heart into the scriptures. Into the scriptures. Read, discern, study. Dedicate our lives to the study of scripture. It doesn't matter what your profession is. If you think about it, the guy who wrote the maximum Psalms was a, was a layman. And that has become what? Scripture. That's the irony of it all. He was not a professional preacher. He was not a Levite. In fact, the Levite called Asaph read, wrote lesser psalms than the, than the king called David, the layman called David. So don't give these excuses. Brother, I don't have time. What do I say? Make time. There were days when I used to go to IIIT, no? I used to have one and a half hour of travel, boy, how many sermons I learned, I heard. And how many times I read the scriptures in the time. So there's no excuse. And I'm, I was still a layman. I was, I was doing what? I was doing Bible study. I was preaching sometimes, some, once in a while in the church. I was doing my PhD. I was teaching in the university. And I was a father. Managing all. Family life. Five, five things. So don't give these excuses and make these excuses. And coming to church regularly, attending every meeting. Okay. When the scripture says, the Lord says. When the Lord says, scripture says. So do you know the scriptures? You know, that is a fantastic thing, right? So for those people, when God spoke, it was basically what is, what is, what is being spoken to? scriptures and for him if God was speaking to us for, for, for us what is speaking scriptures are speaking so let's go back to Genesis chapter 2 26 now and read verses 2 onwards the Lord appeared to him and said you know actually the word of the Lord appeared to him okay he had a revelation of the word of God I think that's what I feel in, in fact I think it's in Telugu uh, if I have to read it in Telugu don't have to go to the Telugu Bible okay uh, please, uh, if it's, I have a Telugu and English Bible simultaneously, uh, it says, it says, He had a revelation of Jesus, meaning revelation. Okay, appear to him. Do not go down to Egypt, live in the land which I shall tell you. So he got clear instructions and then look at what the next verse. Dwell in this land, I will be with you. I will bless you for you, for to you and to your descendants, uh, descendants. I will give 
all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. So what is happening? There is a covenant which is being made with him now. It's, a, it's what we call the renewal of the covenant. So what happens? Whenever you read the scriptures, what happens to you? There's a renewal of the covenant. And then he says, was uh, was uh, four, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven. I will give to you the descendants of uh, to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Of course, this is the prophet promise of the Messiah. Why? Because Abraham, look at this. Five things. Abraham obeyed my voice, my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws. So what should you also get when you read the scriptures? You should hear my voice. You should keep my charge. You should obey my commandments, my statutes and my laws. Is it different from in the, in the old, in the new covenant? First thing, first thing he's telling, if you want to grow, Isaac, in the promised land, first thing you should learn, just like the way your father learned, to obey first. The word is Shama. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. The word Shama, which is rendered both as obey and hear. You cannot obey what you have not heard. You understand what I'm saying? First hear and obey. Both go together. First you said, you need to hear. Faith comes by hearing. And Hearing by the word of God. There can be no growth without inculcating the practice of hearing. I'll give you an example. You have one, one couple sitting over here. After a period of time, they are so close to one another. One look from Apu and Raj knows what she means. Okay, One mannerism of Raj, Apu knows what Raj is going through. You have known each other so well over a period of time because you have grown in that relationship with one another that you are able to discern, like, not just the instruction, but the intention. Okay. For example, I receive an instruction from my wife. Give me an example. Be home by 8. That is the instruction. But you know what her intention is? It will be great if you come back by 6 o'clock and spend time with me. You see, samajdar ko ishara kafi hai. Adi point. Huh? Adi kani chineshko nante mana. Pastor Eric was telling us, no, the other day when he came, when he came and he was sharing the word here. Samajdar ko ishara kafi hai. In other words, get to know the voice of God by studying the scriptures. That's what he tells. Saul, 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 you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord. Okay. You did not obey the voice. Hear the voice. Learn to inculcate the voice of the Lord. And when He speaks, you know. Because when He speaks, He speaks to you through the scriptures. You have understood His mind. You have understood His, His, His emotions. God has emotions. You have understood his will, you have understood his temperaments, you understood what makes him angry, what doesn't make him angry, what pleases him, what does not please him. And when you are having this kind of a relationship, when he's silent, you know, Are huh, something's wrong over here, Baba. Okay. Learn 
to inculcate the habit of hearing the voice of God. My dear brothers and sisters, let this be our challenge. Not just have the knowledge of the Bible and memorize and come to those nitty gritties of here and there and all that stuff is great. Good, I'm not saying that it is, you should not be diligent in studying the scriptures. But beyond that, learn to hear and discern the voice of God. So many people go about in their Christian voice without hearing from God. They don't have an assurance that God has spoke to them, spoken to them. And the fact of the matter is, many times when God speaks to them, they'll go and share that with people who are of the flesh. And finished, that fellow will take that water and pour it on your body. Finished, over, gone. Spiritual life. See? Learn. Learn to hear. You know what? Have people in your life which will tell you this is how you discern the voice of God. Thank God Samuel had an Eli. Thank God Samuel had an Eli. Which taught him. So what we are doing, we are not just teaching you doctrine. We are teaching you to inculcate the habit of hearing for yourself. To know the scriptures so well that you know if I am going wrong. Most of the time, when I, if, I, if, if nobody knows if I am going wrong or right. Because you don't know, unfortunately. Class goes the professor, tension malala. Because of the students. You know, when I, when I started in AAA the first year, my God, the students were so good, okay? So good. I used to shiver when I used to go to the, go to the board. Because they were so good. My students made me actually. And then I took it as a challenge, you know? You fellas, you're gonna get it from me now. <laughs> okay, so become so good. Become so good with the subject. Why? Because it's a promise in the New Testament. Turn to, uh, of the New Covenant. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 31 onwards. <sighs> Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a, what? What, what covenant? New Covenant. What was, what was, uh, what was uh, Isaac doing over here? He was renewing the covenant. And whenever we we go to God, we are also renewing the what covenant? Not the old covenant, the new covenant. What is the new covenant? He says, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their forefathers in the day that I took them out by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds. I will write it on the tables of their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. The next verse, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, what? Know the Lord. They shall, few know me. They shall all know me. From the Bacha to the Buddha. And every age group in the middle, spiritual age group. From the least to the greatest of them will know him for I, why, 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 why is this possible? For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. In the old covenant there was only a covering of sin. In the new covenant your sins are completely blotted out, doesn't even have a remembrance of it. 
What a tremendous privilege we have. You, you might be saying, brother, I'm going through so much of guilt and anguish and so much of condemnation in my life. You do not know how many sins I've committed, how many things I've done in my life. You know what God says? If you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your sins have been blotted out. He doesn't even remember them anymore. Don't bring to remembrance something which you, which he, the Lord has already forgotten. You understand? I will forgive their iniquity. I will remember their sins no more. Then, you, Therefore you will be able to hear his voice. So, first thing, obey his voice. Second thing, keep my charge. What is the charge, Baba? First Timothy chapter 5 verse 21. It is guarding the testimony of God in your life. I charge you. Look at this. Scary, huh? I charge you before God. First Timothy chapter 5 verse 21. Charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe the things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Another place. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. It says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. What should you do? Preach the word. Boy, that is a charge. First, what is he saying? Timothy, preach the word. Second, be ready in season, out of season. Lockdown, no lockdown. Anytime. You know something? Uh, he used to go to the synagogue, right? Every Sunday he used to go. Every Saturday, if I'm, if I'm right. Uh, what's his name? Paul used to go to the synagogue. And they would ask him, Brother, do you have a word from the Lord? You read Acts? Or do you have a word? Are, I, I did not bring my notes here today. No! He opened the Bible ta, 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 from Genesis to uh, Malachi. He showed them the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. That is the reason why he was what with the word? Occupied with the word. Be occupied with the word. Be ready in season. That is what we call charge. God, what has been entrusted into your lives. Isaac, there is a testimony of God which has been given to your father and which has been passed on to you. God. God. Jude chapter 1. Verse, there's only one. It says, verse 1, 2, and 3. Jude, a bond servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied. Kya baat hai? He is a multiplier only. Okay, Beloved, while I was diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to what? Contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. God has given us a a testimony of his life, of his testimony in our lives. Guard it. Let not the enemy steal it. You know why? Because your your dealings, your history with God is very important for you to grow in your relationship with him. It's a history of establishing trust. 
That is how you grow in a relationship, right? Otherwise, a relationship will, will fall apart. Like pastor says, right? They are, they are intimate without intimacy. They know each other. A lot of people go, Lord, uh, I need this. Please help me. Like Rabbi Zechariah said, no? That prayer, no? I speak it into existence in the name of Jesus. Or you have different kinds of prayers. Anglican prayer, the same way. Pentecostal prayer, same way. All prayer, same way. And finally that guy, that young boy, he kept on asking Jesus and Jesus never answered his prayer. And then... Um, uh, he had his mother. Mother had uh, the the statue of Mary in her home. So he took the statue and he hid it somewhere. And he went to Jesus and he said, Jesus, your mother is with me. Answer my prayer. Otherwise. Blackmail. Ransom. You see? That is what our relationship is with God. No? There's a, there's a history of establishing trust. Right? Every relationship is like that, right? Every relationship. As I said, can God trust you? It doesn't mean that he loves you for sure, but can he trust you? That is a thing that you need to establish. So, keep my commandments, keep my Sorry, uh, hear my voice, keep my charge, and then keep my commandments. One of the commandments that we need to keep. Be dash for nothing. What is that? Anxious for nothing. Is it a suggestion or a command? Command. Okay. Anxiety ko mat allow karo zindagi mein. Okay. Keep my commands. Then my statutes. What are my statutes, Baba? If you want to really grow in me, we'll come to commands and uh, law also. Both of them have the same connotation, but I want to look at statutes. If you want to really grow, keep my statutes. What are statutes? Like the way of Abraham, your father did. What are statutes? What are statutes? Statutes are limits. Limits. I told you, no? Angels rush in. Oh, sorry. Fools rush where angels fear to tread. Okay. Know your limits. Turn to Psalm 16. We know this very well. Verse 5 and 6. Oh Lord, you are my portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. My plot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a Excellent inheritance. Limits are always important in relationships, especially with God. Don't get too familiar with Him. That is what statutes mean. For example, turn to uh, Genesis chapter eighteen. Yesterday I was I was I was reading this, and just the Lord spoke to me. You know, uh, turn to Genesis chapter eighteen and read how Abraham is entreating with God. Okay, look at look at what it says in verse number twenty three. Okay. I love the way the, and Abraham came near. (laughs) Look at this. You know, he came near to God, but he knows his limits. Okay. And how does he address God? He came near. Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Next verse. Suppose that there were 50 within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare the 50 righteous that were in it? 
Okay, far be it that you should do such a thing to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it that you, you, you shall not the judge of all the earth do right. He came near. Next. So the Lord said, if I find Sodom in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all. Next. And Abraham answered, indeed, I am dust and ashes, okay? I have taken upon myself to speak. I'm just coming a little closer to you. If there are only 45, will you destroy? Then he said, if there are 45, I will not destroy. And he spoke yet again. Okay, I mean, in other words, if because of the confession of dust and ashes, he had another, he bought himself another chance to speak and entreat with, with, with God, okay? Suppose there should be only 40. So he said, I will not. And then, then he said, let not be, the, let not the Lord be angry. You see, I will speak only once, okay? If you are, if you're not angry, please let me speak. Suppose there should be only 30. Now he reduced it by 10. Okay, because he knows, no, 5 plus 5, five, five plus five, 10, that, that 5 ka ho gaya quota, so next 10, okay, 10 ke liye, <laughs> you see, the mathematician, is tremendous mathematician, he knows haggling, he is Jewish baba, okay, <laughs> okay, then he said, let not the Lord be angry, I will speak, suppose there are 30, he said, I will not do it, next, you know what he says, indeed, I have taken upon myself to speak to the Lord, again, you know, the tension, suppose there are only 20, he said, I will not, finally, look at this, he said, let not the Lord be angry, I will speak only once more, suppose there are only 10, and he said, I will not destroy for the ten. The Lord went his way. Abraham went his way. He knows his limits. Woo. He knows his limits. You know why? He understood the nature of God. You want to grow? Know your limits. In other words, don't test him. He who puts his hand outside the wall will be bitten by the serpent. Okay. It's amazing. That is the reason why my your father Abraham, he knew the statutes means he knows the boundaries within which he can entreat my favor. Do we know God's limits? You know, we don't know God's limits because we don't know Him. Come boldly and confident to the throne room of grace, etc., etc. We, we use that so flippantly. If the God in the old covenant was like that, scripture says, you have come to the heavenly Jerusalem, our God is a consuming fire, therefore serve the Lord with circumspectly. Let's read now, Hebrews chapter 12, the last two verses. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, shaken, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably, reverently, circumspectly, for our God is a consuming fire. Do you see that? So know your limits. And what about law? He knows my commandments and his laws. Only one commandment God gave. Now what is that commandment? A new commandment I gave to you. What is that new commandment? Love. For love is the fulfillment of the law. Turn to Romans chapter 13 verses 8 to 10. And after that, 
Proverbs chapter 31 verses 25 to 26. I like, I like that. Okay. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Next verse. For the commandments, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, you see that commandment and law are going together. All are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Therefore, what kind of a law we should have is this. Proverbs chapter 31, read from verse 25 and 26. Look at this. Beautiful. This is, of course, talking about the wise woman. Okay. Wise woman, right? But this is is a picture of the church. Strength and honor are her clothing. Boy. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and in on her tongue is the law of kindness. Kya baat hai? On her tongue is the law of kindness. Psalms 45, verse 1, 2 and 3. My heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my... Com- oh, just one. Okay, that's enough. I, my heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. The law of kindness is in her mouth. Because you know why? The kindness of God leads us to repentance. The law of kindness. So grow in this commandments. So what is it? Know my voice. Keep my charge. Guard my charge. Know your limits. And obey his laws and his commands. And then you will start growing. Not only do this, understand what these are. You know, there's a beautiful psalm, no? Psalm 19. We'll just read. We have time so we can read. It says, give yourself to the reading of the scriptures. We are obeying that commandment also. Give yourself to the reading of the scriptures. The head. No, no, no. 19 verses 7 onwards. The law of the Lord is what? Perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. You see, there is always an effect. Converting the soul. Making wise the simple. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Enlightening the eyes. And then, the fear of the Lord is clean. You know the limits, right? Enduring for Ever the judgments of the Lord are true, righteous altogether and worse than more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much, much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Next verse. Moreover, by, their, by them your servant is warned and in keeping them is great reward. If I don't do this, who can understand their faults? Answer, no one cleanse me from my secret faults. Let keep, keep your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them also have no dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. The words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength, my redeemer. So grow. Grow. In order to grow, hear, learn to hear his voice. In order to grow, keep his charge. Guard the testimonies of God, of, of the Lord in your life. Third, fourth, know your limits and keep his law and obey his commandments. Amen? Then you start growing. Then let's move on. Next one. Next lesson. Genesis chapter 22. Verse 7. 
So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. And the men of the place asked about his wife. And he said, she is my sister. Papa. <laughs> he called his wife sister. Yeah. The same thing people also do here in this day, age, day and age. It's okay, no problem. I'm not going to <laughs> expound upon that. Samajdar ko ishara kafi hai. She is my sister, for he was afraid to say she is my wife, because he thought, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebecca, because she is beautiful to behold. This is also iniquity. That is passed on. Deal with it. Abraham lied about Sarah and now his son Isaac also will lie to save his life because of fear. What is iniquity not lying? It is fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love and of sound mind. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, etc. For perfect love Cast out all fear. Yeah. What is happening over here? I think there's one test. One test over here. One test. I'm just speculating. I'm just reading into this. A test which is allowed by God into his life to see if he loves his wife more than he loves him. Second thing. A test of God whether he can lay down his life for his wife. It says, husbands love your wives as Christ Jesus loved the church and gave himself for her. It's very interesting that Rebecca doesn't protest. So both Rebecca kind of has inherited that nature from Sarah. I think so. Rebecca doesn't protest. Even Sarah didn't protest. But This is iniquity. Fear can make us do unbelievably stupid and silly things. Why? Because we want to preserve ourselves. The point is this. We have to be a generation which will model a life before our children. We should be honest with them. And never ever show something that we are not. Ruthless with sin. In our own lives. Let us never put a stumbling block before them. Be honest before them though. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 20. Onwards. When your son asks you in time to come saying, what is the meaning of this testimony, the statutes, the commandments which the Lord our God has commanded? Then you shall say, I was such a righteous man, I never fell. Right from the beginning I obeyed the Lord. No. You know what you will say? I was a slave of sin and of the enemy. 
and the Lord brought me out of the world with a mighty hand. He showed me signs and wonders before my eyes. I was living such a terrible life and God brought me out. You know, be honest with your children. And he gave me a strength never to compromise. And if you follow my God and if you believe in him, he will also give you the strength never to compromise. Is what we should model before our children. What if we compromise? I'll come to that point later. But first, John's Gospel chapter 17, verses 17, 18 and 19. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you send me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Okay, we are all Isaac sent into the world. We are in the world system, right? We are in the world, but not of the world, thankfully. And for their sakes, as Jesus sanctified himself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. What did Jesus do? He sanctified himself. So we as parents of the next generation, what do we do? We say no to things which are allowed, which are allowable, which they may not, they may not affect us, but we make choices so that we never put a stumbling block to our children. We don't become a stumbling block to our children. Boy, it's so important for us, no? You make choices. Your children will go that route. They will easily follow that path. I'm seeing, I'm seeing testimonies of people in the church who have made compromises like that. And who pays the price? The next generation. And do you think they are going to a world which is better? It is worse. And if they have, don't have strong role models, honest role models, where are, where will they go? What is the hope for them? And it's very interesting. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 22. And verse 7, again, let's read it from 7 onwards. She's my wife, less the, uh, because he thought, you know, all, sin begins here, okay? Sin begins here. Uh, David thought in his heart, Saul is going to kill me. Jeroboam thought in his heart that the kingdom is going off to Judah. Starts there. He thought, lest the man, men of this place kill me because of Rebecca. And next verse, verse 8. Now it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech king of Philistines looked through a window and saw and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah his wife. Telugu lalau unta nante Rebekah to Ribka to Sarasamulada adanta. Okay? Okay? That means one lesson. You can do Sarasam with your wife. No problem. And it is good in the sight of God. A lot of people don't do Sarasam with their wife. Okay, let, let me stop it there. No, okay, I'm not. <laughs> there were no controversies. Okay. <laughs> Ayyo. And so, something is happening over here. He's stroking her hair, maybe, I don't know. 
or calling her name, something, something, something. Maybe you must have called baby or something like that. Baby and children, they do. And you said all, okay. But the way he was treating his wife, he came to realize something. This sister Kadanana. Okay. This is not sister. Okay. Lot of believers, I'm telling young people, she's my sister only, brother. It is not appearing to be a sister sisterly relationship. Okay, so this is not sister. He has come to he has come to he has come to the conclusion. Now it came to pass when Abimelech saw Baba, this is not sister. Then you know what he says. Next verse. Abimelech called and said, quite obviously she is your wife. <laughs> ah, very, very obvious. <laughs> okay, this is, this is not sister. How could you say she is my sister? I said, Isaac said, because I said, lest her die on account of her. And you know what he says next verse? Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the people might have soon lain, have soon have lain with your wife and you would have brought what? Guilt on us. You know, it's remarkable that a worldly man rebukes a Christian. Oh, remarkable thing. Before I go to the lesson which I want to draw, we should be really ashamed of ourselves if the world rebukes us. Instead of we being a rebuke to the world. Jonah, chapter 1. If you have the KJV, let's use KJV. KJV sounds really dramatic and Victorian English. So Victorian, very dramatic and Victorian. I like the, the conversations here. Okay, Jonah, Jonah chapter 1 verses uh, 3 onwards. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish and from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a sheep going to Tarshish and he paid a fare thereof and went down into it. You see, he's down, down, down. Okay. He's going down to Tarshish. He, he took a, found a ship. He went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And then what happened? But the Lord sent a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was taken, to, it was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man to his God and cast forth the waves that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down to the sides of the ship and lay and he lay and was what? Fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us and that we perish not. I was reading Spurgeon in the morning. This is what he has to say. Listen carefully, okay? Of all the men in the ship, Jonah was a person who ought most to have been awake. But nevertheless, he was not only asleep, but fast asleep. 
All the creaking of the cottage, the dashing of the waves, the howling of the winds, the straining of the timbers and the shouting of the mariners did not arouse him. He was fast locked in in the arms of sleep. I love the language. Okay. From where we have fallen. Hmm? See here in Jonah's heavy slumber. See here in Jonah's heavy slumber. The effect of sin. No noxious drug can give such deadly sleep as sin. <laughs> no noxious drug can give such deadly sleep as sin. The body never knows so deep a sleep when under the influence of opium as soul does when the sin hath cast it into slumber. In other words, if you drink alcohol, your body will slumber. But sin will cause your your soul to go into slumber. Is he drunk with wine? No. Is he, is he easy on drugs? No. But he's in sin because he is running away from the presence of God and he is fast asleep. Okay? If men could be awake to the evils, to the danger, to the desperate punishment of sin, sin were not sin were not half so deadly as it is. But when it puts its sweet cup of nightshade to the lip, the cup soon blinds the eye and the steepen and steeps the senses in forgetfulness, and man knoweth not where or what is in him. Spurgeon. And what is happening? This guy is fast asleep. There is storm that is going around. You know what? We are all locked in. The point is this. Will the world... You know what? Everybody is crying out to their God. Do you know that? Everybody is crying out to their God. Muslim will go, Ya Allah, Dua karo, Dua karo, so that the COVID go. Buddhists also will do the same thing. The Hindu also will do the same thing. What about the Christian? He is the person who who should know the reason as to why this is there. And what is he doing? Fast asleep. How is he fast asleep? Please tell us about seven words. Sorry to disappoint you. I'm not going to give you seven words. I'm going to give you more than that. Awake thou. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles. No, no, no. 5 verse, 5 verse 11. Ephesians 5 verse 11. Somehow this Ephesians 4 is already engraved in my mind. Okay. Even if I write uh, Ephesians 5, I write, I type it as Ephesians 4. <laughs> And have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done done by them in secret. And ex- but all things that are exposed are made manifest by light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and what? Christ will give you life. Just forget about it. Don't be in spiritual slumber. Don't be asleep in these dark times. You don't have natural uh, solutions to this problem. Even a vaccine is a temporary solution. Oh Lord, grant us a vaccine. In the name of Jesus, I come against this virus. Let the Lord give them a vaccine. Are, enna da macha. 
sleep. So the point is, the world comes and rebukes Isaac. The world comes and rebukes Jonah. Is it possible that we as a church are absolutely insensitive to this now? We do not have people, sufficient people in the Christian community coming out and protesting and exhorting and confronting the church and saying, judgment is at hand, this is from the Lord. What are we doing with our lives? But giving us tidbits as to how to spend this quarantine? Instead of understanding and knowing God? John chapter 9 verse 4 and 5. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. As long as the church is in the world, we are the light of the world. The body of Christ. So what happens to Jonah? Jonah chapter 1 verse 7 now. Remarkable. And they said one to another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast the lots and the lot fell upon Jonah. You know what? Till that time this fellow is quiet. And then what happens? Verse 8. And then said to him, and then they said to him, tell us we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence the, and whence camest thou? What is thy country and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew. That seals the deal, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which had made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what, why hast thou done this? Can you imagine a bunch of Gentiles which is, pre- let's imagine, one is going to Buddha and saying, Ayo Buddha, another going to go in Krishna, another going to Rama, another going to Hanuman, and when this, this guy comes and says, I'm a Christian. What have you done? And those people are rebuking him now. Oh boy. Let us learn. So what do we respond to this? The question is not from where rebuke comes. The question is, can we handle rebuke? (laughs) You know what I, I just wrote on this. How do you respond to correction when it comes from the most unexpected quarters? How do you respond? It is not that we will never fail. But what we will do when we are confronted and when we know that we have failed. David wrote Psalms. Now there's a very interesting incident in Psalm, 1 Samuel chapter 21. Look at this, no? This is the, 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 the hero of Israel. Israel's darling. Now David, no, this is verse 10 onwards. That day, David fled from Saul and went to Akish, the king of Gath. But the servants of Akish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? 
Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Akish, the king of God. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched the doors of the gates and let his saliva fall down on his beard. Boy, this guy who said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who will dare to defy the armies of the living God? Look at how he's behaving. And then, then Akish said to the servants, look, you see this man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen? In other words, I have enough madmen in my place. Okay. Okay. That you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence. Shall this fellow come into my house? You know, David, can you imagine David giving into fear and acting like a madman? But you know, thank God for David. No? Whenever he behaves like this, he writes a psalm. That's the remarkable thing about David. Whenever he messes up and when people in the world are rebuking him, he goes there and he writes a psalm. That's not that's what, that's what I'm saying. This is the heart of absolute surrender. This guy says, Lord, I am yours, heart and soul. It doesn't mean that he does not, he's not going to make mistakes. What is going to happen to you when you really make a mistake? You know what he ri- writes? Psalm 34. You know how the psalm starts? It's not there in your heading. Let me read it for you. Of David, the psalm of David. When he changed his behavior before Abimelech, so that he drove him out and he went away. <laughs> he changed his behavior before Abimelech and he played like a madman. What does he do at the end of the day? He goes and writes a psalm. Look at what he writes. Psalm, psalm 34. The Lord, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. People will be overcome with guilt. But this guy, he knows Lord as just not his God. He knows him as his father. Look at what he says the next verse. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. In other words, says Lord, the humble shall hear of it and be glad. I am Lord. I know that I made a mess, but I humble myself before you. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. You know what magnifying the Lord means? It is not making a small God look big. It is making a big, big God looking near. It's not like looking through a microscope, but looking through a telescope. That's what Sudhanda Krishnan said. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, bah, and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. We know this, no? We sing the song and you also know the context of the psalm. The psalm was written when he failed. Then he acted like a madman. And the king of Gerar has to rebuke him. They looked at him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. Thank God. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and he saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers him. You see, this is your response, my dear brothers and sisters. When you mess up, write a psalm expressing your love for God and saying, Lord, I messed up, Lord. I repent of my sin. I humble myself. I shouldn't have done that. Lord, let that become your cry. Do you think the Lord will not understand? That's 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 what Pastor was saying yesterday. He made a fantastic statement. You know, sometimes we do not know kind of pressure that we have gone through for us to make a decision like that. But the Lord understands. The Lord understands. I'm not saying that we should we should give in to pressure. No, but when we have given in to pressure, what we what do we do? 
God has to allow us to fall so that we can go back to him. God has to allow Isaac to fall so that he can grow by trusting not in his own righteousness, not in his own obedience, but continuous to trust in the name of the Lord and the Lord who brought him redemption. So first lesson, when you fall, write a song. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, 2 and 3. I love this. My little children. Okay, fine. In some sense, we are all little children. We think that we are young men and fathers and all. <laughs> My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate. With the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous why? And he himself is a propitiation for our sins. And not our, for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. If we confess, he is faithful and just. Okay. So, you know something? Your relationship will be tested in this area too. When you fall, how will you respond? Peter, Peter. No, not Peter, Peter. Simon, Simon. Satan has asked me permission to sift you as weak, but I have what? Prayed for you. Kya baat hai? That your faith should not fail you. Thank God he prays for us. He is now seated at the right hand of the Father forever making intercession for us. We don't want to sin. But if you sin, but if you want to sin, I don't have a problem. I mean, I don't have any, any uh, uh, hope for you. If you want to sin, then it, that's your headache. But if you have come under pressure and you have compromised, for whatever reason, it's not, I'm not saying that God understands. I'm saying, respond like the way David responded. God is holy. God is righteous. But God is also merciful. If you do, we like, like, we only take one side of God, we profane His name. I'm telling you right now. If you only take the truth side of God, we profane His name because we forget the mercy of God. If you take only the mercy side of God, we still profane His name because we forget the truth side of God. We have to put both of these together and then we know the name of the Lord. Okay? So, when you fall, learn to take correction from the most unexpected quarters. A small child will come and say, were you not that fellow with Jesus? <laughs> That was enough. A small girl was sufficient to incite fear in, fear in him, right? Let us be humble and let us accept the ways of God. Finally, just okay, okay. <sighs> Genesis chapter 22 now, verse 12 onwards. And we'll finish this. Then Isaac sowed in that land. Kya baat hai? And he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. It is not because he sowed and he reaped a hundredfold. It is because of the blessing of the Lord. You see, when the things are going against you, what I said, famine represents situations which are contrary to growth. But in spite of that, you sow. This is essentially the, the unfolding of Luke's Gospel chapter 8, where you don't have 30-fold or 64 or, or 100-fold, you have direct 100-fold. So Isaacs are meant for 100-fold. 
ఫెయిల్యూర్ If you are studying for pass, you will fail. You attempt for at least 70%, then you will get minimum something 25, in the time of famine meaning when the when the situations are absolutely contrary to you i'll tell you something when i am ready i will come to ministry when i am ready i will repent today is not the day to repent or it's not very convenient i don't know what people will think about me today if you hear his voice harden not your heart life is you will never be settled down you will not be sufficiently settled to commit your commit your life to god never will take it from me if if everything is settled in life god will not call you i mean you I mean there's never a time in your life you're, that that you're completely settled to to pursue god never evanni teerpoyin tarvata avanni chesin tarvata evanni chesin tarvata anni settle ayipoyin tarvata appudu enta time ayipothadu then isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year thank god and the lord blessed him that is the reason why and how did he bless him look at the way the blessing baba the man became prosperous and continued prospering and he became very prosperous ah, ha, ha, ha. just stop 12 and 13 just put 12 and 13 okay let's see that let's root together hmm? isaac sowed in the land reaped in the same year a hundredfold and the lord blessed him the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous now we know what is that prosperity in the new testament Hmm. John's gospel one don't have to turn there John chapter 3 will say uh, my heart's and desire is that you prosper even as your soul prospers in all things now first of all let us learn about that law galatians chapter 6 we know it very well and verse 7 that's all or 7 and 8 maybe okay. do not be deceived god is not mocked for whatever a man sows he will also reap so if you will sow in the flesh you will reap corruption if you sow in the spirit of the spirit you will reap eternal life Okay, so that means, so what is sowing in the spirit? Now, most of the time, sowing in the spirit, we will say, making decisions in the spirit. You can use all, all kinds of things. But, most of the time, mm, it is about our uh, pocket only. No? So, let us, uh, we will take this example and we will go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and let us read from verse 6 onwards. <clears throat> Look at this. This is, you know, the man became prosperous and became very prosperous and prosperous 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 okay so much of prosperity there in his life but look at paul in the new covenant how he explains this this is to a poor to a church okay uh, not a poor church a decent church second uh, corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 the point is this he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully what do you sow and what do you reap <coughs> look at it 
So let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, so he has given. Not let us say he has given cheerfully. What do you reap? Look at next verse. God is able to make, I just want grace. All grace abound toward you. That you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. You see, this is, is it not Isaac? He was prospering and he became more prosperous, very, very prosperous. It's like that. It's like a, a superlative after superlative. Look at what he says. God is able to make all grace abound toward you because we need the grace of God to do anything in our life. Then you will have, you will always have all sufficiency in all things. Not just sufficiency in a few things. You have sufficiency in all things. And for, for example, just let, let me give you an example. So a very simple example for us to understand. If, that means if you give into the kingdom, God is able to give you so much. That you will have sufficient for your children's fees. You will have sufficient for your car's petrol. You will have sufficient for your home rent. You will have sufficient for everything. Just giving you an example, okay? But that is true also. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures for ever. And then go on. Don't stop there. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread to the eater supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. You see, there is a fruit of righteousness. He increases the fruit of your righteousness and then goes on. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God for the administration of this service, not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Next, go on. Don't stop. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And by their prayer for you, who long for you, because of the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Of what? Of giving. So, not sparingly, but richly. Every area of your life. For example, if you, like a lot of students would say, Anna, I don't have money. Do you have time? You give as much as time you can to the Lord. Because time is equal to money, no? If in the kingdom of God, I mean in the, in the world, eight hours is equal to eight hours, eight man hours of wages. So you are essentially giving money only. Finally, verse 16, if I'm right, is there a verse 16? Is there verse 16? 15, yeah. Verse, yeah. Thanks to be to God for this indescribable gift. So what happens? God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Why do we need grace? You need grace to say no to what? No to sin. You want to overcome sin in your life? So, reap righteousness. Whatever you have, give it to God. Give it to God. That's what, but that's the next learn, lesson we learn from Isaac's life. Whatever you have, Isaac, give it to God. And it might not look very 
What do you call? Profitable. The kingdom of God is not profitable. But you get riches in a different way altogether. God is able to give you more grace to accomplish all the tasks in your life. You know, sometimes I wonder how Daniel was able to manage his office, his home, his uh, study of the word of God and still have time for every other thing in his life. You think it is, na- it is normal? No, it is the grace of God which is working in his life. Everybody says, oh, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have money. Both they don't have. They have time and money for everything else. Except for God. Keep God first. Obey Him. And we are not talking about just material blessings. No. We are talking about growing in what? Grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And what happens? Let's go back to Galatians chapter, sorry, Genesis chapter 22, verse 14. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Finally, who will come? The Philistines will start coming. And the next test for you to grow is to how would you handle envy? First of all, two things I'll tell you. Don't make other people envious. And if other people are envious about you, don't worry. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 24 to 26. And we will stop with this last point maybe. Yeah, we will start stop with this last point. Hmm? Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Next verse. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Don't provoke one another to envy, please. But if you are growing and you are not provoking and you can't help it, then this this should be your reaction. Philippians chapter 1, verse 15 onwards. Look, look at what it says. I, I'll read it from... Do you have the NIV? If you can use the NIV, it'll be great. Okay. It is true that some preach Christ out of what? Envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The later do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. Verse 18. Look at his response. For what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is being preached and because of this, kya baat hai? I rejoice. So when people are envious about you, forget about it. Only see if Christ is growing and rejoice about it. That means, look at the, look at the response. Verse 22. Genesis chapter 22. And let us read the response and we will stop. Now the Philistines... Now he moved out of there, mm, 15 onwards, 15 onwards. So they were envious of him. So all the wells of the father's servants had dug in the time of their father, Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. And then, so Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. So don't fight for your rights. Just Move. Move. And then you will grow. So many other lessons to be learned. We will continue 
the next class. If the Lord tarries to come and if this is what he wants to inspire us to read. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. Thank you, for Father, for teaching us so many truths. I pray, Father, that you would continue to impress your word in the deepest parts of our inner man and cause us to walk in your ways. Take the word, impress it, and let us grow in you. We thank you, Father, for this day that you blessed us with once again. Watch over us in our goings out and our comings in from this time forth and even forever. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. So see you at 7.30.